All right, we're live again, Eddie, on Facebook. Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. My guest tonight is Eddie Pepitone. We tried this a moment ago, but I forgot to make us public. And so it was just the two of us. We can't have it be just the two of us, Eddie. Yes. That, that, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be. Welcome right. everybody, welcome the public. <laughs> welcome I, the let public. me just say this about the public. Look, you voted in Trump four years ago. <laughs> You idiots. Uh, but hopefully you're making up for it lately. Hello, public. Okay, Eddie, so we had a false start and we'll get back to that. But we what we started to just talk about was mm -hmm. the vaccine. Uh, and um, I have such vaccine jealousy because, well, you just told me you're vaccinated. Eddie, today we are, I am celebrating, I am total efficacy. It's been two weeks <sighs> since my second vaccine. I am. You're good. <laughs> yes. Now that is really good news, except not for me, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, well, actually that's not true because the more people that are vaccinated, the less chance of infection is what I'm understanding. Yes. Um, do you, okay, so, I want to talk about this because you probably don't know this, but the people who watch this show, we mm -hmm. are the COVID crazies. Okay. Oh, really? COVID yes. crazies? I, yeah. When, when um, the pandemic started, I started going mm -hmm. live every single day, seven days a week. Seven, me too. I did, I did five days a week, except I was on Instagram live. You've chosen Facebook live. Yeah, are you? Is it happier for you on Instagram? I, I've never done an Instagram live. It's funny, I've never done the Facebook live thing, but um, the Instagram live thing is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. You you can have a guest, and it's live, and uh, it they record it for you, and you could keep it on the site, you know. So it can lives. you put it on your phone? Can you keep it? Yeah it's it's on their site right. it's not yours you know so but, so when you, know, you want to have a guest anyway. do you have to, well when when you have a guest on instagram live you have to invite them on after you start is that how it works yes and they have to request to join and what we were talking about off the air happens right. a lot where it's like i can't find the button you know <laughs> And it and it's gotten to be a joke where I now have uh, music for when people can't request <laughs> to join. Like I have, you know, it's just technically not the greatest. Do you know what I mean? Well, because I did the Facebook the same way yesterday with a request to join. It took us 25 minutes to get Cindy on the air. This is not a good thing. Right. But 25 minutes, you lose a lot of people. Well, but the other, on the other hand, I can mm -hmm. do it then on my phone. Zoom, you can't, you can't host to Facebook Live on your phone. And the phone is a better, I have an iPhone 12 Pro, right? So it's better. Oh, great. So computer. you've been vaccinated and you have the iPhone 12 <laughs> Pro. Well, well, good for you. All of these things. I am enviable, aren't I? I'm so yes. fucking, so you hit yeah. my gut twice. Yeah, I know. I mean, the vaccine is one thing, but on top of that, have the iPhone 12 Pro. Oh, my God. Look at this. OK, now this is so professional. I can't even believe it. Oh Folks, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what's going on. 
I, she I always, asked me to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm tell, this is like a cacophony. Of, I was of talking everything. to you. I was talking to your audience while you were gone. <laughs> please, please do. Feel free to talk to them anytime. We'll, we'll talk to them at some point. Um, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll take some questions and stuff. But what I wanted to know before we get into like mm -hmm. the whole Eddie Tone mystique and everything is, <laughs> are you COVID crazy? What's your COVID protocol been like? Eddie? Oh my God. I tell you what a, what a weird journey this has been. Um, I remember when it first, I mean, I'm sure uh, everybody went through this kind of thing. Um, okay. but when it first started, I was yeah. like, don't touch anything. Like it was so crazy. Like if somebody delivered a package, I mean, I, do you remember at the beginning uh, there were these, I don't know if you got this, but there were these tapes going around that were shared about doctors saying, when you come in from the outside, take your clothes off, take a shower immediately. I mean, it was insane at the beginning, you know, um, of course, because I'm naturally lazy. I never did that. Like, you know, supposedly, you know, you were supposed to, <laughs> like supposedly you're supposed to go out, come in and, you know, strip and shower, you know and then put on new clothes and then everything. Then you're supposed to wipe down all your groceries, you know, hey, like all that. that. This morning. You did that this morning and you <laughs> and you had the second shot. Well, you're, you are COVID crazy. <laughs> I, have, I have total efficacy. Today's my, my efficacy birthday. And I, I got a, a, a Vitamix it from UPS at midnight and I sprayed it with the green stuff. I wiped it. Well, that's down. probably that's probably good to do. Yeah. And I came in from a speed walk and I got right in the shower. You know, yeah, I mean, I still am COVID crazy. So do, have you been shopping? Have you been in stores during? COVID? You know, I try. Me and my wife try yeah. to stay out of freaking stores and okay. we've been doing pretty good. The only thing we've been doing is going to a couple of doctor appointments you know okay. i you get a boil lanced off every thursday no i'm kidding <laughs> but um you remember when boils were popular what yes. happened to boils you remember when when people had boils like like whenever there was like a arthur miller play somebody always had a boil lance and they had to have it lanced. They had to have it lanced off. What, where did that go? That's what's what's wrong with this country, is that <laughs> people aren't getting boils lanced off anymore. You know so what I mean? Do you know the secret to going to the doctor in COVID? I'm going to give you the secrets. Here's <laughs> Here's the COVID crazy secrets. Seriously, I've, yeah, go ahead. You, go, you get the first appointment on a Monday so that nobody's okay. breathed in there or been in there before you get there. You fill out all the paperwork in advance at home. You you email it in. Yeah, yeah. You don't touch anything. You don't go to the bathroom at the doctor's office because that's not a good Oh, thing. yeah, I was, I'm very paranoid about that too. But you know, okay, so I described to you the beginning where super, you know, very, very cautious. And then I think it, it, it went in waves. It was like, and then we realized okay, we don't have to scrub down everything that comes from the outside and we can, touch, you know, we just have to, and I think the biggest thing is just washing uh, hands 
yeah. you know, washing hands a lot. You know, I try not to touch my face. I always wore a mask. You really? know, I. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I, where where did you wear a mask before? No, no. I always wore oh, a mask once COVID. this started. <laughs> I'm not. I haven't been living in Beijing. You know where they wear masks. You know they wear masks. Do you know that they get warnings about on their phone when they can go out or not in in industrialized areas of China? You know, Wait, like based on what? Based on um, you know, particulates in the air. Wow. You know, yeah, yeah. Based on uh, yeah, I'm bad with science, so. But it's like pollution that they they sh they shouldn't go out when it gets to a certain level, and um, yeah, so they're constantly wearing masks, you know. So wait, uh, so what were you guys doing for, for grocery? Were you doing the Instacart right. thing? How were you doing it? You know, I was doing Instacart until I found out. Though, are, are we allowed to curse on this? Uh, fuck yeah. Okay. I was doing Instacart until I found out those motherfuckers fired all these employees who were trying to unionize. And then I was what? like, delete, you know, I deleted the app. So I, I mean, it's hard. It's, you know, they fired, every, they were trying to unionize and they fired everybody who was involved in them trying to unionize, you know? Um, Anyway, boy, if you want to get me started politically, you better forget it. I didn't, I so, did not know that. I didn't know. I'm going to have to stop using it. So how did you work around it? How'd you get your groceries? Well, and I'm not even sure what's going on, you know, as far as the people who deliver this stuff. But we 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 order from Whole Foods. And I, I, do you know who the drivers are for that car? No. So I, I, it's not Instacart though. So hopefully it's a better. It's Amazon. Deal. Amazon does. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're right. It's Amazon. <laughs> well, yes, yes. And um, I don't know, hopefully they're better, but actually Amazon is having this whole unionization thing that apparently Biden has gotten behind. I don't know if you, uh, Look, Jeff Bezos has had a tough time during this pandemic. Uh, Bezos has gone from being a billionaire to close to a trillionaire. Do you know that? He, he, yeah, yeah. Do you talk about politics much? On of this course show? we, oh God, yes. Yeah, oh God, yes. well, it's it's disgusting, you know. It's disgusting, The just the inequality of wealth and the fact that 510,000 people have died in this country is just like do, do are you, you know, serious do you know are you serious tomorrow? do you know that tomorrow march 4th is supposed mm -hmm. to be the inauguration of the idiots do you know about this no in, in washington dc the uh the QAnon have all the hotel rooms the fbi have the rest and they are supposedly going to inaugurate the idiot back in the true president back into office tomorrow in Washington. Yes, I'm not making <laughs> well, this up. What does that even mean? It, oh, is that what you call him as the idiot? You just referred to him as the idiot? 
Yes. Yeah, I will not say his name. I refuse. Right. Okay. To, okay. I, I don't um, say his. Name. Yes. So, is he going to be there physically, or is it just this some? This is a good question. I'm not sure about that. Oh, I don't okay. know if he's going to be there, but I'm telling you, this is a for real. Th I mean, well, for real. I watch CNN. CNN is telling me all day and all night that tomorrow this mm -hmm. is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, By the way. You know, I, I was just thinking back to the boils. There should be a boil channel. Like, you know how there's a true crime channel? There should be a channel devoted to boils on, you know, like, hi, um, we're a couple here in New Hampshire and we got boils all over. <laughs> when was the last um, time you saw a boil? I can't even, I can't even. I don't know. That. Boil and the other, the other. The other thing nobody ever has anymore more is a goiter. You remember <laughs> goiters? I don't even know what a goiter oh, is. No. I don't know what a goiter is either, and I don't know where it is, but it sounds really <laughs> disgusting. Is it, goiter, it like, is goiter in your groin? I don't know why it sounds. I think it can be anywhere. I think it can be anywhere, a goiter, you know, and I think you have to get them licensed at the motor vehicle <laughs> and, you know, like when you're walking backwards, you have a beep, beep, beep sound. <laughs> um, I don't yeah, know, I don't, but yeah, so getting back to the pandemic, I, I've gone in waves, you know, I, it's, you know, I am, I, I am fatigued with like putting on the fucking mask and fit, you know, it's gotta be firm fitting. And, and then they were saying two cloth, you know, like a surgical over cloth you know which is what i do if i have to go to a doctor or you know if i have a real craving for grapes i'm a big frozen grapes guy oh my Ex my mother just discovered this she was just telling Ex me they're that. delicious you free but but if they're not organic uh they're soaked in pesticides and they never have organic grapes lately so i've kind of had a wean you know my a late my latest addiction <laughs> I had a wing myself. Oh, wow. All right. Frozen so, so you will go to you will go to the market yourself. You'll oh, go to the market very rarely. Very rarely. I've done it a couple of times, and every time I've done it, I never had a good feeling about it. First of all, I'm in there for frozen grapes. How? Why? Why am I risking my life for frozen grapes? <laughs> Oh God, my mother's gonna love this. So, so have you done uh, outdoor dining? Have you done outdoor dining? Once me and my wife did outdoor dining in Pasadena. Uh, we did uh, a vegan restaurant, we're vegan, Sage. I don't know if you know it, Sage I do. in mm -hmm. Pasadena. We, we love Pasadena. So do uh, I. You know, that's so like funny. I was just listening to the last time you did my broadcast and we were talking about therapists and I told you that I have like the quintessential therapist you were looking and I said, she said, where, you said, where is she? I said, uh -huh. Pastor, you said, oh no, I'm not going to get dressed. <laughs> going to therapy. I'm not going to Pasadena. That's exactly. I, I had a good therapist. Now, you know, I'm in, I'm in the Valley. I'm like uh, North Hollywood Valley village area. And I left my last therapist because he's in Beverly Hills. And it's, you know, it's just, it's like, yeah, I don't want to have, but now with Zoom, you know, it's pretty good, the therapy stuff, right? <laughs> Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, I actually, I actually, and I don't know if other people feel like this, 
but I actually feel a little scared about the pandemic ending and having to go back into getting in my car constantly. And I haven't done stand up in a year, you know, in a club and like, oh God, I used to, I used to be out every freaking night. I have gotten used to watching film noir movies every night now and not going out and eating, you know, cookies and watching, <laughs> watching the postman always great. rings, the postman <laughs> always rings twice. But you know, all right, Eddie, we talked about this on the show last night that I've become yeah. agoraphobic when I get Absolutely. in the car now. I'm, I, I get in the car and I'm a little anxious because I only drive yeah. once a month or whatever. And I'm like, do I know how to do this? Do I, I think, oh, so it's not just me. I think a lot of people are, have gotten used to not going out. And LA is so crowded, right? On the, mm -hmm. on the highways anyway, it, it's so freaking crowded that it, I, I mean, I don't miss that part of this city at all, you know? Um, and you're so. married, so it hasn't been, like, I live mm. alone. My son hasn't mm. been in my house. Oh, I haven't really? seen my daughter in a year. Yeah, I see him outside um, because I'm COVID oh, crazy. Wow. And he has roommates. And so when oh, I, he doesn't yeah. have a bubble. So is right. who's in your bubble? Who's in your bubble besides your wife? Is there oh, anybody we're in your so bubble? Careful. No, no, not really. It's just me and her. And the only other people that we that we see on a semi regular basis is in the park. We we live across the street from a really nice park here in uh, North Hollywood, and uh, we have two dogs. So we walk our dogs, and we see, of course, you know. We've made friends over the years with certain people who have dogs. So we see them and they're not in our bubble. So just make sure we have masks. And there was, there's always like one fucking person who doesn't have a mask. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And it's like, well, I'm outside. It's, I'm outside. And like, I'm like, oh God, I, I would just kind of, you know, always backing up, you know. Yeah, we're Being a people pleaser, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And, you know, even though every once in a while I would say, can you put on a fucking mask? So, Eddie, have you have you had any close calls with COVID? Like, they make fun of me that I think I've had COVID 11 times. Like, do you, every time you sneeze, of, do you think you have COVID? Now, that was very true um, when the pandemic started. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I really thought I had it a couple of times was when I had real achy muscles, you know, but I was working out too. You know, I'm not a big workout guy, but I was doing push-ups and sit-ups in the park and stuff. And then I'd be like, oh, me and my wife, me and my wife are kind of diametrically opposite. I am the total, like, I think I have COVID. And she's like, please, please don't start that. You know what I mean? Like she's very like level-headed and I'm like, I'm dying. You well, know? Is she less cautious? Like, is she more apt to go to the store? No, no, she's cautious. She just oh. doesn't get into the paranoia, you know? She's not a Jewish girl then, I'm going to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, she's man. not a Jew. <laughs> there you go. So, because, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand. So Yeah, I'm Jewish. And Italian, so forget it. I'm 
I'm lost. <laughs> so you, you uh, so have you had friends that have um, been befallen yeah. by it? Um, my stepbrother died. What? Uh, ex, you know, when my dad was married, you know, my former stepbrother, yeah, he died early on. He had diabetes, though. You know, he oh. had he had that precondition. Um, I'm wow. trying to think. That was the closest. How how old how old was he, Eddie? Um, about let's see, I think he was about fifty, something like wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, you know what was is scary about it too. Even though it seems like we're in the home stretch now, well, you're fine now uh, <laughs> with the iPhone 12 and the vaccination. But um, uh, what's what was scary? What's scary to me is that how it wasn't. You know, they were saying that old people, older people, were more inclined to get it, but you would hear of all all ages getting it and particularly i think one of the most public uh covid stories and and he was not that old at all was the actor you know who i'm talking about the guy who did Tom Hanks. what tom no hanks. i'm talking about a guy who died no tom hanks and little miss hanks the hanks <laughs> family they were <laughs> Nothing is going to kill Tom Hanks no. and his wife. No. Um, you, oh, you're talking about the Broadway actor? Oh, you, Are you talking about yes. And I And I yes. saw him in Bullets and Over Broadway. it was a very I'm public spacing. thing. Yes. I'm spacing on his name. God damn it. It's that I can't remember his name. Um, Nick Kadaris. Um, Nick Kadaris. I think so. And it was, yes. it was a horror. You know, it was horrible. His wife was posting on Instagram all the time and it was months. Yes. I also have a good friend in Atlanta who got COVID and he's what you would call a long hauler, oh, meaning yeah. he's got a little bit of brain fog. He gets fatigued. I have another friend up in the Hudson Valley in Woodstock who got it. He got it flying back from LA right at the beginning oh, of the pandemic. And he's young. He's young and fit, no preconditions. And he has had terrible lung stuff. He's getting better now. Wow. But, that's so, you know, so that stuff is scary. You know? Okay, so tell me. So how much does the vaccine, how much do you think the vaccine, are you going to completely go back to life when you're vaccinated? What, what, what do you think? No, I, I, you know, once I get my second shot, I, I mean, you might you tell me i mean what are you gonna do you, you, because you're you're a COVID crazy so what are you gonna do you know now what, that you're, first, your efficacy birthday my first thing that i'm gonna do is i'm gonna return my ninja blender to costco and i'm not gonna go into the store i'm gonna oh, go to the, i'm gonna go to the return line only by the by the front okay and i'm gonna go first thing in the morning and then if I feel really brave, I might run through the store and grab a couple things. Now, now let me, because I did do a Costco shop once during COVID and uh, I didn't feel too safe. You did? How did it feel? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel no. too safe. No. I mean, we went at a no. good time. We went at a good time because I, I made sure, I think we went 
like kind of before close, you know, so it wasn't like super crowded. But, you know, when you get in a supermarket, there's going to be people next to you at some point, you know, I you know, um, but so uh, so you still wouldn't go in a, so a store I, with the second shot. I'm wondering, I, I, I would love to go pick out my own vegetables for the, I have not been in one store in a year. Not, I not would a, think you, I would think you can do that now. You know, I, think so. I mean, the efficacy rate that I'm reading about with the vaccine, did you, what did you get, Moderna or Pfizer? I got Moderna. To me, the scary thing is the variants and the mutations. That's what's freaking Well, me. yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing to be freaked out about, I think. Um, but I, but I think know. they're pretty, I mean, the case numbers are dropping. Yes. You know, you know, it's an interesting, scary thing <laughs> is that I read today a hundred, maybe 135 or 150 countries yeah. have not even started vaccinating people. Of course, they're much poorer countries and right. so i was asking someone well why does that affect us if we're vaccinated and he said well the reason is is that if they're if they're not vaccinated the virus will be mutating there and that and virus travel. if it's mutating anywhere in the world right it, it'll it'll be a danger so Apparently, from what I understand, we are not out of this until the world is vaccinated. Exactly, which is horrifically scary and terrible. And New York has these crazy mutations right now. California has right. mutations. Right? We have a mutation right. We have a mutation right here in North Hollywood, where it eggs your house. The variant <laughs> eggs your house. It just eggs your house. And then another thing it does is sends you these anonymous letters saying you're a piece of shit. And it's like, honey, who the hell do you think wrote it? Like it's snail mail. So, you know, it's not, you know, apparently the variant, the new variant doesn't have an email account, but it's like just snail mail. And it's very insulting. So the variant is attacking us psychologically now. So, so, so speaking That's about- That's the new standup I'm working on, by the way, is like, variant humor so, so okay for a stand-up comic who your whole gig is being mm -hmm. in front of people it's not something you can practice alone in your living room although no. you can go live all the time you do and i've seen your clown your clown is hysterical i mean i've seen ah. your characters and you're hysterical but it can't be the same thing because no you're not getting oh it's not it's not and i um i actually you know i it's it's more like just talking in you know what it's like it's like doing this it's like it's like talking i find it funny it's not a real performance when you're on this you know what i mean like because when you're in front of a crowd there's all kinds of exchanges of energy that's going on you know and um so that's that doesn't happen but i recently have uh i i contractually signed up to do there's a thing called the nowhere comedy club oh i should i should plug this if you go to nowhere comedy 
Um, I am playing March 24th and they run it like a club. They have tiered seating. What? You know, you can make some good money if you sell a lot of tickets. It's very much like a club. There's a VIP section, which means after the show, people who pay a certain amount, um, you know, I'll chat with them, you know, after the show, you know. Um, so they're right. And, and I'm going to do like a headliner set, like 50 minutes, you know. So how, uh, but how do you do that without getting the laughter back? How does that work as a comic? <laughs> well, I think you can hear the laughter. By the way, did you see the Freddie Prince documentary? It was called I Can't Hear the Laughter Anymore. I didn't know did the Freddie Prince who yeah, killed I himself. I love Freddie Prince. No, I didn't see the documentary. Oh, you never did? No. You know he, he killed himself, right? I do know, yes. And uh, I, I, there was a documentary called I Can't Hear the Laughter Anymore. And that's happened to me now because of Zoom. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so when you can't hear anybody, it's really weird. It's like performing in a vacuum. So I don't really uh, consider it so much a performance. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, because you can do certain things on Zoom that have tickled me, you know, like, like, it's just kind of funny to, you know, it's a new, um, what do you call it? It's a new media, right? It's a new form to be funny and, but it's certainly not traditional standup, you know? So are you going to like hold for laughs? I mean, like, how do you, what do you do? You know, no, there's not much holding for laughs <laughs> unless you're hearing the audience. And if everybody is like laughing, 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 you just play it like, you would in a club, you know? It's, I think I saw a video today of you on your street with a microphone doing stand-up and talking about your neighbors. Did you do that during COVID? You did. No, no, I did not. I think, was that Patton? No, you, I saw you. You were, uh, you were out on, I think you were out on the street and you were talking about somebody's gonna give sex and somebody's giving oh, free drugs. Oh no, that was an outdoor show I did in Malibu, which was right next to the Getty Villa. Oh, and wow. check it out. Yeah, someone approached me and it was one of the rare shows I agreed to do outdoors because I think I was just like, it was like six months into the pandemic and I was just like getting antsy. And I was performing along with other comics in an alley between condominiums and so I was just kind of relating to all the like I was pretending people were in the buildings you know and I was saying you know things like you know all these people are addicted to oxycotton up here like pointing to the you know um to the people to the people's apartments and I was pretending to be the people in the buildings you know it was kind of fun but you know what I felt a little freaking like I was risking stuff you know because you know when people drink they get freaking sloppy and people were drinking you know and they they come up to you when they drink it's like no you, you know had to take your mask off to do the stand-up right right which i didn't feel that scared about because it was outdoors mm -hmm. so and i am going to do another show now um 
April 2nd and 3rd outdoors at a comedy club. It's, it's outdoors, um, Alameda Comedy Club in, in Northern California. And uh, they're paying me pretty good money. It's like four shows in two nights, but I am a little nervous, you know? Why um, are you flying? I'm driving. I don't want to fly. I don't want to fly yet until I get vaccinated, you know? Yeah. Would you fly now? No. And Biden said that um, everybody will be vaccinated by the end of May. He said that yesterday. I so heard that. That's a, that's a pretty great thing. Um, but I still don't yeah. feel like I want to get on an airplane. I'm still, I'm still not feeling safe. Oh, really? I thought se. you were so I feel happy. Safer. You feel safer. Well, yeah. I feel safer. I feel ready to outdoor dine. I feel like I can, other people that are vaccinated, I feel like I can get together with. I'm still going to feel weird about inviting them into my house. I'm, I can't imagine oh. doing, mm, yeah. doing a women who write and having 50 people in my living room. Um, yeah, yeah. When do you think then that club, I think clubs and restaurants, they're so itching to be open, you know? Um, so what they you, probably will, will you, open, I think. When you think about what they're doing in Texas, the governor completely oh, the, Texas. Yeah, well, come on. That guy, <laughs> Mr. That's Abbott, right? He yeah. needs Costello. That's the problem with that governor, Governor Abbott. He need, where the freak is Costello? Like he's a straight man, this governor. You need, you know, a chubby, funny dude. <laughs> to be next to him. <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. And I think, you know, I, I'm really glad that he got exposed during that, um, you know, when the power and the water was knocked out, mm -hmm. you know, and hopefully he'll get voted out now, you know, being part of that, um, that whole system there, you know, right wing, um, burning fossil fuels and net, you know I, it's just you know what this pandemic has done though like since you do talk politics on the show it's really really exposed america mm. um and the world but our country supposedly the richest country yet we don't have a healthcare system that can handle a pandemic we right? have we like have millions of people on food lines in america we we have food lines people waiting yes. in line for food yes people yes. who are getting evicted from their homes i mean crazy shit. while while one man jeff bezos hmm. can earn i forget what the figure is but he's the richest he man earned, now isn't he well yeah. i know he is but he like earned a billion or three billion in one day and then you have people on food banks you have you have a healthcare system that really can't take take hmm. care of people yeah. I mean, what the hell? I mean, I don't know. I mean, not so good. <laughs> were you were you in a position, Eddie, when when we went into lockdown, like to financially be okay to weather this long haul? Um, for me, for me, for me, not really. You know, um, because and and what sucked is that. I had so many festivals and gigs lined up right when this happened. Like uh, I was going to be going out, like it happened at like March 10th or something like that. Right. 
And right. uh, it's coming up on the year anniversary, huh? I think I remember it being March 12th. I wrote in my, uh, I wrote in my uh, diary. Um, and, it's either March uh, 11th had, or March 12th. That, that mm -hmm. Yeah. But luckily, as an actor, you know, I qualified for unemployment. And I and and then with the six hundred that was initially added on to it, that took me through. And that and now you know it's been extended. Now there was a period of months where that six hundred was gone. You know, um, in that period, I was making one hundred and sixty-seven dollars a week when they took away this this stimulus. Oh my god! Yeah, right. And you know what you could do with one hundred sixty-seven dollars a week in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, not pretty, much. Pretty, pretty crazy. So, so we talked about it being a little phobic about going back to life and driving and everything. How do you feel about, I'm sure you're going to be fine. You've been doing it so long, but are you a little phobic about getting in front of an audience again, where they're live and in front of you again? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think so. I mean, but you know what? I've, I'm always afraid to get in front of an audience until I'm in front of them. Mm -hmm. And then once I'm in front of them, you know, I relax into my thing. You know what I mean? It's like, at first it's very scary. And then it's like, you know, okay, okay. I remember this now, you know? Right. And right. I've, I've talked about to other comics about that. And uh, uh, the general consensus is, is you don't, you don't lose it, you know, but you need to work out. You need, I was talking to Mark Marin yesterday and Marin was saying, I'm going to need to like do some working out at like a theater, you know, and try to do an act, you know, and just work out, you know, because it's hard, you know, it's like really difficult to come up with stand up material just being off stage forever, you know. So, Eddie, let's talk about the, the, the genesis of your comedy because so much uh, we were talking uh, on the fake start show that uh one of my favorite sets of yours and i don't know if you could even call it a set was at the actors gang when in the middle yeah. of the show you just came out and started ranting through the audience about parking now how much yeah. of that had you how much of that had you thought through and how much because it seemed like you were in the moment yes um, but there was stuff that you had ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a kind of bit I do where I, I call it the heckler, where I go through the audience and, uh, you know, I prearranged, you know, whoever was on stage that, okay, I'm going to be coming through the audience at this time and I'm going to just go off on something. And I believe like that parking rant was, you know, probably at least 75% improvised. And I probably had like, you know, other bits, um, you know, little pieces of, because that's one of the characters I love right. to do, the heckler. I find the heckler for me so rewarding because as a stand-up, my biggest fear are fucking drunk hecklers you know, are crazy, <laughs> aggressive hecklers. So it's very cathartic as a stand-up to how did that play start the heckler. You? How, how did you, where did, how did, what was the first time you did the heckler? Where did that come from? It, yeah, I, it just, I, it came from an idea I had 
of heckling myself, uh, <laughs> which I would, I would, I, I would set up the bit by saying, folks, you know, I get heckled a lot, but I wonder what the heckling would be like if someone knew me as well as I know myself, what would the heckling be like? And uh, I think it would go like this. And I would, I just get off stage, leave the mic in the stand and start yelling at the empty stage, Pepitone, why do you dream about red birds attacking your throat at night? Like all things that I actually have happened to me, <laughs> I'd be like yelling at, how come you can never finish a book? You always start books, <laughs> you know, all kinds of crap like that. You know? So that ended up being kind of uh, a gateway for you to uh, a much greater uh, public persona and success doing that on Conan for so many years, right? You were the heckler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, do you know Brian Stack? I don't. One of the, okay. Brian uh, was a writer on Conan. He now writes for Colbert. And he's... Um, I believe Brian is from Chicago in that whole uh, second city crowd and sweet guy. And he just such a good writer and he loved to write for me. You know, <laughs> he loved to write in my voice, you know, so wow. he would write all those heckles. Those were all very pre-written, uh, you know, his wow. network TV or, or whatever, when Conan wasn't on, he was on cable after NBC, but uh, yeah. So so I just had a really good writer, you know. I had no idea that those were scripted for you. Um, oh, yeah. They would never let me just go on a show like that, you know. But, you know, at the height of that, Conan was really, Conan, I would crack Conan up sometimes. And that was really a fun thing to do. Like I, when I would crack him up, I, I really felt good about that. And then it would get into a little into a little improv between me and him because he would like say something off the cuff and then I would come back at him. So I that was it. fun. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so let's get into that. How, how kind of, where the funny kind of started for you. Um, I, you know, I know you, we were talking before we came on the air that we both took Gabe, my husband's class at the Manhattan yeah. Line. Um, and that, that was where you, is that where you started doing comedy? Um, yeah, that was when I, like, I had flirted with stand-up a few times. I was always interested in comedy, and I wrote a funny plays in college. Like, I was so into doing stand-up, but I was terrified when I first started. I actually would throw up backstage at open mics. Like I was truly terrified, yet I was doing it, you know, which was crazy. Like, and, and as a matter of fact, I would ask myself, why are you doing this if you're so fucking miserable, you know? And I guess the answer is because I had to. It's so funny, like there are younger comedians now who come up to me and they're like, how do I, how do I do stand? How do I get started? And I'm like, you have to be kind of sick. You have, to, you have to need to do this. Do you know what I mean? Like you have yes. to need 
to do it. You you don't want to be famous. Um, you have the need to like do it, like have the attention, whatever it is, whatever the reasons are, need to express all this crap that's in you or, you know, get attention, a combination of like needing to get stuff out and then like that psychotic, like narcissism. <laughs> where, where do you think this came from uh, with you? I, let's go back and, and talk about So you grew up, you're literally- We're not gonna be doing inner child work, are we? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Well, I know some of your history and I know, yeah. well, let's talk about it a little bit because I, I, I think for all performers, there's a, a basic need to want to be loved, right? Because we all kind of yes. were lacking, right? So yours, yeah. from what I remember, your parents yeah. were, oh, tell us a little bit about your parents. Well, my mom, tell us. Um, my mom was bipolar. So that mm -hmm. was just really difficult, you know, to grow up with. Uh, she was hospitalized, mm -hmm. you know, um, she was she she uh, passed away about 15 years ago now, but she was hospitalized in and out when I was growing up and it was really super difficult. You know, uh, my dad was a teacher. Uh, I was born in Brooklyn, um, you know, so it, it wasn't a real happy household, you know, because of my mom being so uh, ill, you know. And so I think that really was a big reason, you know, that um, I needed to do it, you know, like I needed to get validation that I didn't get, uh, you know, like a classic, a classic comedian, you know, in uh, that sense. When did you discover you were funny? <laughs> How did you discover you were funny? You know, I when discovered I was funny when I would be hanging out with my friends, I think I was around 12. And I just would kind of hold court naturally with, you know, my little group of friends. And I just, and I, you know, I just realized it then, like I had no idea about any kind of career or whatever. Right. Um, but I was just really enjoying being funny with my friends, you know, as a as a young kid. And then I got really influenced. You know, I remember I grew up with like the honeymooners, mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I love Jackie Gleason. And then I started watching like standups, like I think on Ed Sullivan's show at first, mm -hmm. you know, I love Don Rickles, you know, and seeing, seeing Carson was really a cool thing growing up and seeing all the comedians. I remember just seeing Carlin, my favorite comedian, like in my formative years as a comic was Pryor and Carlin. Yeah, I just love those guys. And then I went from just being a funny kid to like, oh, I wanna do that. You know, I wanna do that. How did so. you figure out that, and how did you turn that desire into a reality a reality yeah. not it wasn't easy <laughs> <laughs> and it's still not 
So you um, had, did you have real, you had real job, you had job jobs. Did you have job jobs? Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I will never go back to one though. I now dedicate my life to not working for a living um, <laughs> in the traditional sense. Um, no, I freaking did stuff like, and by the way, like, like I said, stand up was absolutely terrifying. So I got into acting first. So I have a theater background. Oh God, sorry. I was trying to uh, fix the feed. Uh, so you went from being, say that again. I went from like, do I, I started in um, taking acting classes. Right. Uh, you know, I dropped out of college because it just, it wasn't happening for me. Well, you well, know? What, did you go, what did you go to college for? What did you want to? Uh... Um, well, at first I was trying to please my dad and I was going to become a dentist. I'm laughing at that because I have the worst teeth. <laughs> um, he even gave me like a Novocaine needle for my 14th birthday. Um, like, a, like a chair that was like a molar shape. But those are really old jokes. I, uh, I actually wrote a character, I think probably probably because of that whole thing of my dad wanting me to be a dentist called the Novocaine Bandito. <laughs> and the Novocaine Bandito was a guy who just got off on numbing people <laughs> and like different parts of their bodies. And he would like numb someone and, um, and then he would just kind of, you know, get a pleasure out of it. And the way I did that <laughs> bit is I was, uh, the way I did that bit was I was a cop in a press conference saying the Novocaine Bandito, the Novocaine Bandito is struck again, folks. We're pretty sure this is a disgruntled dentist. And like I would go on. That's on my first album. Um, so your father, as I recall, you did a very, very moving piece in my living room. Oh, yeah. uh, at women who write that was that's right. humor in it but it was very it was very heart-wrenching yeah. how did your yeah. father how did your relationship with your father impact he's still alive so i have to be careful and let me just address him if he's watching okay don't judge me <laughs> i don't need it i don't need it and i don't want it is he on facebook I don't think so. Yeah, my mother can't do the Facebook. So, uh, no, uh, seriously though, how 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 did that relationship? Uh, because it's very much a part of your humor. Yeah. Well, there there's a documentary about me called The Bitter Buddha, and the arc in that documentary is my dad like sees me at the Gotham Comedy Club, and he absolutely loves it. You know, he, because I killed and, you know, he loved it. He didn't even want to go, you know, because it was like, I don't want to go to Manhattan. He lives in Staten Island. Um, you know, so we do, I mean, we do love each other for sure, you know, um, but uh, it's, it's, it's fraught. It's fraught with the roses, you know, because I always feel like I have to live up to what he wanted me to be and that kind of, you know, not, you know, I, feeling like he was super critical of me and that kind of thing, you know? 
but so the documentary has a really nice kind of um, closure with that. Yeah. So now is he in a place, since then, is he in a place of acceptance with your career? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had to oh, like yeah. seeing you on Conan and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what he liked. You know, that's what kind of validated like, oh, okay. He's on television. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I, I, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, you, you're funny for your friends. You decide you like, you have these heroes, you decide you want to do it. How do you go about it? What did you do? Oh yeah. So like I said, since I found it so terrifying, I was studying acting. I was always performing and I, so I, I went from acting, which I did comedic and dramatic acting, which has been really good for my stand-up career. Like the background in theater and acting has been very good for my stand-up because I love putting in like just serious emotion into stand-up, you know? Like I'm not just someone who gets up there, like, like you said at the beginning and tell a joke. Mm -hmm. I'm not like set up punch. I'm more like, you know, it's sort of like my message is, life is the joke. <laughs> yeah. So and so, you, how did you find that? When did you make that decision? Like when you started, Eddie, did you do this? Did you do set a punchline, or were you always Eddie from the beginning? No, I, 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 I it took me a while to feel comfortable. You know, uh, it took me years. I at first I remember I was doing like crazy characters and I also would just get on stage I would be kind of just up here at 10 kind of being very shrill and yelling and uh, now I kind of balance it with I'll go up and then I'll go real soft you know I'll uh, I'll just be screaming about something and then I'll be like but anyway I think uh, NPR is great as well you know what I mean um that took me a long time to like be comfortable on stage for sure you know did did you I would imagine as with all comics there were times that you bombed I would imagine there were audiences oh. that didn't get you right <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that's without a doubt um without a doubt you know uh i i you know i was very stubborn i i and i still am very stubborn about just doing things that i feel are funny i hate pandering to you know, a mainstream audience. I mean, and I'll tell you, I never bomb more seriously or I never bomb worse than when I did a casino and I'm not a casino guy. I did a, a casino here in Los Angeles. I forget what the name of it was. For me, I'll just call it the, uh, the great fucking. And, um, I just, I didn't get a laugh the whole time. I was doing my like really dark, <laughs> my humor is always dark, you know? Right. And these people, they just were there for a good time. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. They, they were like, you know, there was maybe one guy, <clears throat> there was maybe one guy who got it or who, 
you know, liked what I was doing, but, um, you know, it took me a while. It took me a long time to like be able to, you know, kind of come out of this little artistic bubble and really relate to everyone, you know, and, and I think it had to do with me also, uh, you know, just becoming vulnerable enough to be very open about, you know, my life. And then everybody kind of relates to that instead of me doing these kind of esoteric little bits or characters, you know what I mean? Was it hard for you in the clubs? Like did the, did the guy, did yeah. the club owner get you? Did they, did they appreciate what you were mm, doing? That took a long time too. And I was kind of like, I was always kind of like uh, a theater comic, like underground, like in all these little offbeat places throughout New York. You know, I was never a big club guy. Only recently, only recently have I, have I started doing clubs, you know, and there still are clubs where I, you know, I just have no interest in doing because they're just like a bunch of loud assholes, you know, on fucking on fucking whatever like like college people who just you know i mean there are so many shitty clubs you know mm -hmm. uh but there but there are ones where people are actually like comedy fans you know right, mm. right. Well, of course and of course i just have... i hate to pander you know i hate to pander to like um just fucking hacky stuff you know I know that about you. So mm -hmm. do you think, okay, so we share, we share uh, a history as, as addicts and people in recovery. And, yeah. and when we go to, to the rooms, to meetings, we bare our souls. Everybody's, you know, people very honest. We really say yeah. what we think. Do you think that that's impacted your, your, your standup? Oh, <clears throat> I think that the work I do you know, through the through the uh, twelve step programs or rooms, uh, definitely is great great work as far as like you know getting honest and uncovering uncovering my defenses, you know, and uh, yeah, I think it I think it really does help my creativity and my stand up for sure, you know, and actually. I have found myself, I never used to do this, but uh, I, uh, I, I now find myself being funny in the meetings, which <laughs> I think, you know why I think I'm doing that? I was thinking about this. I never did it before. I think because I haven't been freaking performing and have that outlet that now I'm performing in these freaking 12-step groups. I've seen you do it. <laughs> I know. and. I, some people love it. And I think some other people are like, what the fuck this is supposed to be serious shit? Or who's this guy, you know? So, so highlights, Eddie. So what, what so, okay. So you start out and you're trying to find, how long does it take you to find your feet till you kind of figure it out? Uh, I would say 10 years for me. And, and so during uh, that which sounds years, like a long time and it is <laughs> so during that 10 years how are you surviving what are you doing yeah i waited tables a lot mm -hmm. i used to say that i have been fired from more restaurants than i've eaten in 
<laughs> I was a terrible waiter. I don't know if you, I mean, I thought I was a good waiter, but I, I always was so disenchanted with being there. And they all, and so everybody I worked for knew it. I couldn't hide it. And the, the worst thing I used to do as a waiter was I was a slob. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to come in with, <clears throat> and I worked in some pretty good restaurants in Manhattan. Right. You're supposed to come in with the press shirt and, and I would come in and there would be, I mean, I can't believe I didn't get fired earlier from some jobs. I, I just would have like chocolate from a profiterole that I eaten <laughs> in the back. You know, if people don't know what a profiterole is, get on it. It's they're very good. <laughs> oh my god! But you know what I mean. Like I would have like stains on my shirt, and I remember one time I manager, a real button-down guy, <clears throat> an Irish guy, and he would be like, "What? Are, what are you doing? What? What the fuck are you doing? Look at your shirt. Look at your shirt, man." And I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, Mike." Sorry. I, I worked at Maxwell's Plum. Do you remember Maxwell's Plum? You're a little young. Oh my God, that was a real like hang, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, it was like a serious gig. I made some major money. Oh, there. what did you do there? Wait, tables? I, I was, yeah, I was a waiter and then I was a captain. I was there for like eight years while I was trying to be an oh. actress when I was young, right out of college. But I made yeah. really good, I got- Yeah, you could make really good money. And then I went into bartending in uh, some, which was better for me because I'm just very sociable. Right. And uh, I didn't, I, and, but it's such hard work. Waiting tables is such hard work. Um, that's why I vowed never to, and then I would, and then I went from waiting tables to catering in New York and I'd be catering at these fucking like museums and the New York Public Library, some really cool venues right. that you really feel like I wish I wasn't working <laughs> because this looks really cool. <laughs> and, and I would, I, I, and and those jobs. I mean, the people who own the catering companies to me were just so hilarious. Like, I, I wish I could, oh, like one of the catering companies, I don't know if they're still around, they were called Great Performances. And they would, like, they would actually try to, like, get the servers to be choreographed, like the way they, what? like, yeah, I mean, and me, forget <laughs> it. And, and they really, and they really wanted you to be pristine looking. So I, you know, I would never last. I would never last because, you know, I was always, since I was always so anxious and didn't want to be there, my big go-to was I was always like, well, smoking pot for one, you know, to kill the psychic pain <laughs> and then eating. Okay, <laughs> I so would always want... be smuggling food from them and I would always be caught. Oh, like, what do you do? Like, I'd be eating, like, in a corner. This is before I became vegan. I'd be eating, like, prime rib and lobster tail, you know, secretly. And, and I would get stuff all over my shirt. And then I would be so full and tired <laughs> that I wouldn't want to do anything. Oh my God. I was the worst. Yeah. Okay. So what, Eddie, what happened to, so that you didn't have to do that anymore? 
Um, you know, what happened is I started getting, and you know, it was just because I stuck with it. You know, I persevered through those fucking jobs. And I, I had other jobs too. I was, I did some construction work. I was, I was installing and sanding wow. hardwood flooring. And then from there, I would go to acting class and I would, and, and like, I would be covered in dust. <laughs> I would be covered in dust doing Arthur Miller plays, you know, in acting class, you know, and if someone touched me, it would be like, uh, what's that character in Charlie Brown? Yeah. That the, um, uh, I, uh, oh God. No, Linus L maybe? L yeah, I know who The guy who has the dust on him. Pig pen. Oh, that pig pen, right. Pig pen. Pig pen. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had a lot of hard jobs, but then I started getting, I'll never forget, I think I was on a job when I got a call from Conan. And what happened was one of my buddies, Andy Blitz, who's a really good comic, mm -hmm. um, was on the writing staff and by the way that's how i get most of my jobs is friends who are writing for the show or if i'm lucky the stars of the show will have seen me do stand up but they think of me for something and my friend andy thought of me and it was incredible like i think this was definitely my first time maybe i think my first time on network tv where i was alone and i had to do this whole monologue about you remember mikey on the on the the life commercials like oh, give sure. it a mikey he'll like yeah. it mm -hmm. and it was for life cereal and i had to be the guy who was mikey's neighbor and i can't believe he got it i would have been better but i was grounded the week they were doing auditions like I did this whole big monologue and I was so freaking nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous, you know, reading on cue card. I was always nerve wracked on the, uh, you know, it's so funny because I always am very insulting uh, to most television because I think most of it sucks, you know? But then like, for instance, I did an episode of Will and Grace recently and um, it's just, it can be so, it's just always nerve wracking. You know, because it's like there's so many people relying on you to do your lines. So, Eddie, how did that happen? How did you? I mean, I know you studied acting, but how did the acting? Yeah. How did you? How did you start that acting career? Yeah, um, it because I studied acting. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, you know, I got an agent here in LA. So they send me out for uh, various things, you know, and I, and I would, it would it, comedies are really what I, what I always uh, obviously would book, but I wish they would give me more of a chance with the, with the dramatic stuff too, you know, I've done so, a couple of things. But. So an agent took you on based on your stand-up figuring that you could do. Uh, yeah. Like based on, you know, based on my Conan work, which came about without a stand, you know, without an agent, I mean, I was just called directly, you know, from the show to me, you right. know, and they loved me. So I kept coming back. I mean, I did it over a period of, um, I don't know, 
15 wow. years on and off or 20 years on and off, wow. you know, until Conan grew tired of me. So, you know? is, so what happened? How come that stopped? Do you know? I don't know. And I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I really think I really think he was kind of tired of the riff of the I mean, I, I don't know this, though, of the angry guy. You know, I, I of course, get nervous that it's all because of age, you know, <clears throat> but I don't know. Has it gotten more difficult as you've aged to get TV? Um, I don't I don't particularly think so. It's always really hard. You know, to land something. As a matter of fact, I'm really not digging, by the way, uh, these fucking uh, self tape auditions. I know a couple of my friends like them because yeah. they're like, oh, well, you could do, you know, you could do it until you like it. First of all, I just, the lighting has to be perfect. The background, I'm like, I'm always taking down paintings and <laughs> I got a ring light that I, I work shittily, um, you know, my wife has to read the parts, the other parts, right? you know, and it's just like, it's, to me, it's nothing but a pain in the ass. Okay, so now wait, if you got something in COVID, would you go and, would you go on a set? I did. I got a show on, and this was kind of a thrill because I got to work with Helen Mirren, but I was on a Netflix show uh, called, uh, it was Sarah Cooper. I don't know if you know Sarah yes, Cooper. Yes, I do. She's hysterical, yeah. And it was kind of a show to get people to vote. Um, not for the idiot. Um, and uh, it was the one who did show. that incredible impersonation of him that that made her a star oh there, there you go she would lip sync right. him right she would lip sync him yeah uh that's right uh so i it was sketches and i was in a few sketches and it was really cool it was a really cool experience working with helen, helen mirren and i hung out with helen mirren you know one day and she was unbelievably cool like wow. just like just hanging out laughing you know and just like no status at all wow you know what i mean so that was such a nice well how did uh, were you were you anxious and, I, and it was covid this? well this is what i'm saying were you anxious to go on set and how did they handle it so yes say? yes well it was one of the first uh productions to uh be doing it but it was like they would they they divide the sets up into zones uh -huh. you know and, um, you know, like off camera, like the hot zone is the actual, you know, where they're filming and, right. you know, only ca everybody's masked up, you know, you're supposed to be socially distanced. But I found because I did, I'm trying to think of how many shows I've done since COVID. I've only done two. And I find that, you know, people wind up being pretty close to each other, even though you're supposed to be six feet. You know what I mean? I'm uh, sure so, they need to go get tested, right? Oh, well, that that was reassuring, you know, that you were tested, like, I think it was something like every two or three days, mm -hmm, right? you know, and everybody was, you know, but, you know, and I think I did 
I, I did two weeks on that show. So on the weekend, though, you don't know if people are going to go out and party and bring back something. So it is kind of ner- nerve wracking. <clears throat> you know, it is kind of yeah. nerve wracking for sure. I mean, I really felt like, yeah, I'm taking a risk, you know. But it was worth it because you needed the work. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I got to work with with Helen Mirren. Who is the director? She's really cool, the director uh, as well. Female director, I forget her name. Oh, and the other woman we worked I worked with was Marissa Tomei, who who, uh, just was sort of the opposite in the sense that she just wanted to do the thing and get the fuck out of there. Well, maybe she, I don't, maybe yeah. she was a little bit crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, Eddie, as far as your personal life, you've, you've referred to and looked over at your wife a few uh, times. I knew you many years mm-hmm. ago, and you were kind of late to this party of uh, of hooking up, of getting married and settling. Oh, in. yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I don't think I, I got married at 54, and that was the first uh, first time. And so, yeah, I mean, my lifestyle has never been, you know what I mean? It's like being a comic, being an actor, uh, being someone who doesn't earn a lot of money. It's not very conducive to, <laughs> and, and tr- you know, traveling a lot. <clears throat> it's not very conducive to like that kind of thing. But, um, you know. But you guys also work together. You've written together. Yes. Yeah, my wife's a writer. And we we write things together. She'll write stuff for me, like the Sven the Clown videos that you mentioned. Yes. You know, she and, comes up with most of those ideas. You can't uh, you can't get vaccinated. You tell it. You can't get vaccinated because why? Sven the Clown. I uh, uh, yeah. Well, in L.A. now they're vaccinating minds, and <laughs> stand-ups are not until I think it goes mimes, ventriloquists. <laughs> And then stand-ups. Yeah, and then box office people are finally the laugh. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Eddie, if you had, uh, mm-hmm. if, if let okay, I'm going to say you're going to be vaccinated by the end of May. Like, that's the latest it's going to take you. You're in the next group, actually. You'll probably get vaccinated this month, probably. I time. hope so. Do you get on the website all the time and try to no. No, I don't because I, you know, I, I've been lucky enough to earn enough money every year to be, to have the uh, SAG after health plan, which those pricks anyway, they, (laughs) they, I don't know if you heard about the whole SAG after thing where during COVID they fucking uh, raised the earning requirements. I was lucky. I had residuals come in from all this shit that I've done. Uh, But um. So I just want to go to, I, I, I'm, and so it's the UCLA health plan and uh, here in Toluca Lake. So I, I just uh, am waiting. I don't want to like be one of these people who's online obsessively trying to find a spot, you know, I'd rather be writing a play or a short story, which I've been doing a lot of lately. And that's what I've been doing a lot in COVID is uh, writing. I've been regularly writing. I'm kind of writing a one-act play now. I'm, I'm writing a lot of short stories. I'm getting them published. Um, blah, blah, blah. 
Let, well, let's talk about that because I, like I'm finding, I go live all the time and I do that, but I, I'm a writer and I've had, a, I have not been able to sit down. I can't focus. I can't write. I can't read either. I haven't been able to read books. I have oh, not. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, so, for me, I have started writing. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I've always been a writer, right. but now I'm realizing I, I want to have something to show for my COVID time, you know, because there will be an exam at the end of this <laughs> when, when we're all vaccinated. All right, show your work. Um, no, but I think it was about, it was about, <clears throat> I'm, I'm parodying now because I'm coughing. I think it was about, um, uh, six months in, it's been a year. So maybe even seven months in where I was, where I was like, I've got to be more structured, more productive, you know, so uh, you know, how many crime documentaries can <laughs> I watch? So what is, what is, uh, what does a day look like? What is, what does that look like? Um, well, for me that we, uh, get up, go to a meeting, you know, I do meeting first thing, the 12 step mm -hmm. stuff, which kind of centers me, you know? And uh, then I will like to email. I try to be active comedically on social media. Uh, you know, I'll do a couple of tweets, a couple of Instagram things, a video here and there. And then I, I at some point, I, I do like walking, like I walk a couple of miles, like I'm doing between two and 2.5 miles mm -hmm. and uh and then writing and I, I and i set the bar low i say i'm just gonna write a half an hour and it's it's built you know it's mm -hmm. and and you know what it is mm -hmm. to write you know some days suck and you're like ah you know and, but I, I you know i was reading this book the other day that said the biggest the biggest thing is to keep being frequency like showing up every day and doing it and it just kind of it's something then that you just do you know the secret to writing is writing and yes the secret yeah, it, to writing true. is writing and yeah. the, the artist's way is all about i do morning pages every day sometimes i do them at right. night but i do them every day so oh, that's, that's funny yeah i i had a, i did a joke on twitter about morning pages which was like dear julia cameron who is the author of it? I go, Dale Julie Cameron. I do my morning pages at 9 p.m. So sue me. My okay. lawyer will be in touch. All right. So you, I have a story about that. So, you know, Julia Cameron's one of us, and that's not a secret. She talks openly about her, mm -hmm. her recovery. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the Writing Sober meeting in New York, and I have just started doing morning pages. And this is 7,153 days ago because I, I do it every day and I've kept track and I check. Wow. In. Yeah. So I'm saying I do my morning pages on my computer. I don't do three pages a day. I do it whatever time I want. And everybody's tittering. And the next person. Oh, you didn't know she was there. The next person to share says, hi. My name is Julia, and I'm, and I'm like, oh my fuck! That's very funny. She That's a great story. Right behind me, the whole. That's time. a great story about the morning pages. But meanwhile, I still do them. You know, it because it does. If you do it every yeah. day, yeah, yeah. But 
so do you do you do you have like i've started speed walking every day again i just started doing that oh, again this week yeah yeah so have you been do you write every day do you do it no no not every day um but close to it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um boy you know i don't know about you but i i have found different periods during this whole lockdown thing mm -hmm. Uh, that I feel very fatigued from it all, like Absolutely. just mentally. So, yeah, there have been there have been you know days where I don't write, and I'm just like, you know, I try not to be too hard on myself with that. You know, I'm mm -hmm. like, fuck it, I'm just gonna watch hockey. I love hockey. I'm gonna watch hockey, you know, for three hours. I mean, <laughs> even yeah. Even it's the COVID weariness, and it's also what we went through. Yeah. What we went through politically, and what. Oh my God! Last... I forgot about that. Yeah, that I... whole. Yeah, we've been traumatized as a nation. We have been traumatized. We've I been know we have. Traumatized, and I, I think we're healing from that now. So, all right. So, before we go, a favorite mm -hmm. binges that you so hockey. You said you like hockey. Mm -hmm. Have you had favorite binges of shows that you've gotten addicted to during? Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I in the thick of it, mm -hmm. which is BBC Peter mm -hmm. Capaldi. It is what Veep was based on, and it's by the same guy. He created uh, Armando Iannucci. Mm -hmm. um, I, me and my wife had watched it already, but I went through it again. Um, I just love his performance, Capaldi, and just the dialogue as a writer. Mm. The dialogue in that movie is unreal. I, okay, um, I'm check it out. Yeah, in the thick of it. Great, great comedy. I'm rewatching The Sopranos now. Me too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I just started. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though it's I find it, it's kind of dated at the beginning. The beginning is a yeah, little Yeah. 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 And even though I find, and I haven't really been that consistent with uh, the Sopranos, like I find that I don't really want to watch really bleak stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, I find it a little bleak. You know. Mm -hmm. um i watched a couple of netflix i watched i and the movies like i just watched um what is it judas and the black messiah oh i, I haven't seen it yet is it did you like it i liked it mm -hmm. i liked it mm -hmm. um i i just watched of old film noir like i have all these apps now like i have hulu i have right. i have like the criterion channel like i like <laughs> foreign films uh -huh. and I like old and I watched uh, the postman always rings twice um, with Lana Turner and uh, John Garfield mm -hmm. the uh, original in black and white you know mm -hmm. and I just really liked it like I like the film noir thing you know I, it's not bleak to me it's just sort of like it's it's just kind of funny to me the way they're they're, they're so like you better make the eggs we got a <laughs> copper we got a copper on our tail um, yeah. if you don't make the eggs then i'm gonna knock you around a little i mean it's so <laughs> dated 
it's so dated for certain social mores, but it's uh, oh, and I, and of course I'm watching the Woody Allen. Okay. Barrow I was just all right. I was just gonna. I just watched mm -hmm. it. What do you think uh, between Woody? We talked about this yesterday. And yeah, they and showed Cuomo, two parts. The two and, part. Yeah. And Cuomo. How do you feel about what's going on with Cuomo? Oh well, I you know, look, I believe the women. I believe the women now. The Woody Allen thing, I but so Cuomo, I think, is totally. I you know, come on, Cuomo, do you think I, he should be impeached for this? Come on, impeached? You're talking about impeaching him? Yeah, yeah. You see that that whole that whole fucking thing. Even though you know, well, you're a woman. I mean, what do you think? I mean, of 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 a guy who uses his power to bully you know people like that well, i mean i don't really feel like he was bullying i i think going over mm. to a woman and putting your hand on her back and asking if you can kiss her to me that's not bullying and okay power to me that's flirting and that's yeah so maybe look i'm a grown woman i can right. say well, guy, right. hey, knock it off get the fuck out of here right right but right. you know i'm stronger you're than rare they're they're so, you know, people are super sensitive about that now, well, you know. But, I, but don't you think it's possible that he's being set up? Come on, he's going to go after the idiot. He's going to try to put him in jail. You don't think there's maybe some kind of shit going on? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, they'll, they'll go after the idiot no matter who's in there. I mean, New York. New York is democratic, mostly, thank God, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, the Woody thing is, okay, is a little- opinion, My opinion of Woody has changed from the documentary. Has yours? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see him more now as a predator. And, um, you know, I mean, it was always so bizarre that he married his, what is that, a stepdaughter? No. His, well, he never adopted her, but right, yeah. he never adopted her. But um, here's the thing, and they address this in the mm -hmm. documentary. It's very hard to see someone who is giving you so much joy with their movies, and like he put this, like he made you feel kind of, he made you feel uh, better about your horrible neuroses by completely, you know, being that underdog. So. And 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 they talked about that. They, I think mm -hmm. Mia Farrow talked about that. And then he put out a lot of stuff about her that she coached uh, her, blah blah blah, Dylan, blah blah blah. So that 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 was confusing. But this documentary seems, you know, like yes. wow, I you know, know, like oh, Isn't he it was creepy not, to like. Yeah. I always thought Manhattan was a great film. And that was my memory of it. And when I watched well, it's so it, beautifully shot. But the subject matter is a little. I mean, they they did they show it in the documentary where yes. it's three forty year olds sitting around a table with Mariel Hemingway, who's seventeen, but she looks like she's twelve. Yeah. Like, and and they're just joking about it. And then he's in bed with her, and it's so oh, horrible. God. Yeah, and yeah. They're talking yeah. about sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty horrible. Well, you're so, not a predator, so no, um, <laughs> no, I am not. So, Eddie, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. I mean, well, the mother, the, the mothership, the mothership for me is eddiepepitone.com, and from there, 
you could access my specials. I have two on Amazon now. Uh, the last one's called For the Masses, and the one before that's called In Ruins. Um, they're For films. the Masses is absolutely spectacular. It's spectacular. I was thank you. I have New York Times. Time. The New yes. York Times called it the funniest special of 2020, which was a big feather, a big feather. Wow, Eddie! In my cap, yeah. So did that yeah. generate to a lot of views? I it mean, did, guys... but it did, but it was during COVID. So normally, I would be like, clubs would be saying, "All right, we want you know," and because it was COVID, it, it, that you know, some people uh, still did. It was. It's a cool thing. It's a really cool thing, though. Um, and the, uh, the first special in room. So anyway, eddiepepitone.com and you could, and it connects to all my Twitter, Facebook, Instagram shit. So now if people want to see this stand up thing that you're going to be doing. Oh, right. Do uh, yeah. The, well, it's on the website. Okay. Uh, it's the Alameda comedy club. I'm going to be there April 2nd and 3rd outdoors. And uh, then there's this big nowhere comedy. Go to nowherecomedy.com, and I'm playing March the 24th. Is that on but your website also? It, the, the nowhere comedy one isn't yet. I have to okay. do that. I hate doing all that stuff. Like, I, 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 yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff, you know. But it's better than choreographed catering. <laughs> choreograph catering come on really. i don't even know ask the great performance people. i don't know all right well so i'm going to put your website in the in the liner yeah. notes to the show so that people can find you you must see for the masses do it tonight I, it was so great to laugh out loud and just have such a good oh, time thank New York you Times best comedy special of 2020 that's yeah huge congratulations eddie you so deserve thank it you. i so thank enjoy you i I love the fact that you are, you put your guts out on the stage every time you I get do. up. And um, it's just, uh, it's, it's wonderful. I, I really love and appreciate you. And I thank you so thank much you. for sitting down. Thank you, Vicki. Absolutely. And I'll see you in the rooms soon. Okay. Bye. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye.